again audio ecstasy end of the year best or rather favorite albums of 2022 feels good to be doing it again and it feels so good doing it with somebody that has actually been paying attention enough to have favorite albums that came out this year and like you know you've had stuff to talk about but like man it's uh this is the first time that i remember really in like many years having like you with you having a really concrete idea of what the albums were that you like most this year and it really just warms my heart it feels to me now that you bring it up like this is almost uh this is like why I started doing the show with you is yes. like an excuse to get back into new music. We've been building. It took us like a year and a half of training or mm-hmm. two years, I guess. Right. Is this about two this years. Exactly. Yeah. Mark's two years. Right. Or, Cause our first, yeah. second episode was like best late, of... late November. Yeah, no, we're, it was, uh, yeah, we had that Adrian Linker soft pilot and then boom, we were right into best albums of 2020. So, so ba- t- basically just a little over two years, two ago. years of training. And now we can officially begin. This is it. Audio yeah. ecstasy episode one. That's right. Starting <laughs> with our favorite albums the, of 2022. Yes. Just, you know, very, very appropriate. Um, We're both just going to be reading off our Spotify raps, right? Yeah, that, that's the only real criteria for what you enjoy the most. It's just whatever, you know, Spotify reminds you that you have been listening to most incessantly and, you know. Did yours, did yours line up with your favorite albums um, or favorite artists like this year? Not really. Somewhat. I. Um, it's always an interesting thing thinking about, yeah, just like, oh, yeah, your favorite albums of the year because so many of those are really not records that I'm going to just be running back kind of incessantly. Like, They're not put it on. I mean, gen- yeah, and even like um, – you know, favorite um, artists that is like in general, it's like, oh, two of them happen to put out uh, two of my favorite records of the year, but like I wasn't necessarily just list, like running back the new ones necessarily. It was like yeah. general just catalog hopping. And so, like, I think that they're like, it, it's fairly accurate in a very general sense, but not as far as just like, oh, this is like the stuff that came out this year. It's more like, yeah, very general sort of headspace and like kind of whatever, like uh, the a lot of the same sort of habitual rabbit holes that I go down and like things more tangential to that that i might not have explored you know in years past but most not, li- not a ton of surprises ever really most listened to artists was Inca. animal collective yeah it's yeah. been how many years in a row is that i honestly i think maybe just two or three like it's i think kind of rotate between animal collective and alex g uh oh last, i would not like, have guessed that years. yeah really? i think i got alex g in 2019 when house of trigger came out i want to say um so yeah i mean lc was in my five as well this year like definitely uh two artists that again are just i i think about quite a bit and like i've released uh, some of my you know favorite records of all time i definitely consider among my favorite artists of all time uh, do you ever think about them together do you ever have like fun fantasies where they're just like oh, hanging out or yeah dude, actually, I, I, I there was a uh when i was first getting into lxg that i thought it would be sweet not necessarily um like touring the painting with stuff but like I mean, look, for, like, maybe the Song Tongs uh, anniversary in, uh, in particular, having Alex G open for them, like, I, I've definitely thought that, like, there is enough of a kindred spirit thing there. Not quite, like, on a level of, like, Spirit of the Beehive opening for Animal Collective, which is just, like, incredible uh, synchronicity there. But, yeah. like, I think that, yeah, that would have been something that would have made a lot of sense and been really sort of cool to see. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're just, like, sort of, uh, in some ways, like, ships passing in the night as far as, like, how they've evolved stylistically, where it's just, like, by the time that Alex G was really kind of hitting his stride, um, Animal Collective were, I mean, really just putting out music in general, like, Animal Collective had kind of moved beyond at any point where, like, I could see them really kind of collaborating, and they're kind of now, uh, maybe more so than ever diverging, or, you know, kind of evolving in a way where it would be feasible again, but there was a period, too, where it was just, like, oh, like, this is, like, uh, here's so much of, like, a lot of like the ghosts of uh, what Animal Collective were doing in well, Alex G's music. The new album specifically, if, yeah, and like House of Sugar, because I feel like if you think about House of Sugar like, too, as well, yeah. If you think about like Trick, 
and like Meriwether Post Pavilion, yes. it's real hard. That's to find what I'm so getting. Like, at. like yeah. Race and Winter, the stuff because yeah. he was putting out music in 2010, 2011. Yeah, and like yeah, I mean even with like Sunbeat Hurt, still it was just like now that no. we're, we're, we are like beyond any point where this would make sense on paper. If I can give you a fantasy, if I can write a little Alex G. Animal Collective fan fiction, real quick. Please, I'm all, all right. yours. I like to imagine. I've been rewatching Get Back because it's December. I like to imagine. Yeah, a new future. holiday. Uh, we, yeah, we talked about this a little bit. This is just yeah. a, like a going to be a seasonal. Now. Yeah, thing yeah. for you. I don't want to put your brand in peril, but imagine. Let's just set the context. Animal Collective are getting into the studio and tensions are tight between mm-hmm. the guys, right? And they need. They want to bring in sort of a fifth dude. A Billy Preston figure to kind of some young energy. Just lay autotune vocals down. And yeah, and just sort of be in the space, putting everyone in a, in a different place, bringing good energy. Alex G is that sort of Billy Preston character, those five in the studio. Yeah, I, li- I like that uh, hypothetical. You know, I it's interesting because I was thinking about when there were kind of real tensions within the band. It would have been during the period of like ARC where like it was really like they were still all kind of in New York and like it still didn't seem like it was kind of really working as a band and they were on the verge of potentially breaking up or it not being uh, something that they would really kind of keep up with. And uh, Song Tongues was that sort of breakthrough that really allowed them to actually kind of have a huge, you know, like indie career kind of in earnest in that way. And um, like I have thought of if there actually had ever been this sort of in practice, like if there had ever actually been that sort of figure uh, for them, I feel like it might have been like Vashti Bunyan mm. when they were doing Prospect Hummer. Which is interesting because she's older though, right? So it's yes. almost like a reverse. Right. It's like going yeah. to like your like your some uh, wise your Gandalf, like elder, yeah, yeah, Dumbledore, having them, yeah, just uh, Yoda set their sights on you know what's really kind of important and yeah, but like um, it is sort of interesting to kind of think about with uh, a band like that because it's just they're they are so sort of tight knit and you like they've had a lot of outside collaborations over the years, but not. It, like they're one of the last bands you would think of having like, you know, having somebody like whether it's an outside producer or other musician to kind of just help steer them away from each other's worst impulses or whatever. But um, before we get too sort of sidetracked here, did, how did you feel about your Spotify rap? I mean, did that like bear any resemblance to what you felt like you were it, really into this year? Or is it, yeah, just more of just I like, mean, a, oh, I run the stuff back in, you know, the background or whatever. Like it's, It was less of that than I thought. In the past few years, most of my Spotify stuff was like, just like, It'll be like Bill Evans trio because mm-hmm. I love that's like my favorite stuff to play in the right. background. Perfect as a study too or whatever. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but this year it did feel like it was like it very succinctly lined up with like obsessions I had had at mm-hmm. moments in time. So like uh, number one artist was God. Now it's gonna say it was in total. It was there was oh it was Bob Dylan. Duh. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, right. uh, number two was the Beatles. Which was like right before it got re obsessed with Bob, it got re obsessed with the Beatles. Uh, then there was Second Grade, which was like favorite new act, foreshadowing for later. Uh, and then it was Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground, which is like where Jokerman's at now. And was another. So it was just like showing like deep dives that I was getting into. Yeah. And I was going to say, it definitely feels. Not that, again, like the Bill Evans trio is very still like reflective of your actual like life lifting habits in the way that like, oh, it clearly just, you know, is a strong showcase for how much just like you were, you know, sort of studying or reading or involved in other things, yeah, not yeah. not necessarily just immediately paying attention to like everything you were listening to all the time, but yeah. like with something like, oh yeah, like Louis Reed and the Bell Underground, it's like, yeah, this was the year that you got deep into Joker Man and you've obviously always, you know, loved uh, Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground since you were a fan, but not in the way that, like, you know, that long after the fact you would have been kind of diving deep again. So it's well, like, yeah. that's just a sort of interesting thing. Like, oh, yeah, this was uh, the year of Joe Command in some ways. Um, exactly. But, but, but like, a lot of just, like, trying to get deeper into artists that are my favorite artists, but realizing that, like, I still only technically know, like, maybe, like, in some cases, like a quarter of the catalog. Yeah, or, yeah, real tip of the... I mean, 
Yeah, with um, I mean, a band like the Velvet Underground, there's still, I mean, a ton of just like bootlegs and exactly. other like yep. various things that yep. I, I know for certain that I haven't heard. Even like, oh yeah, I know all the albums. But it's just like yeah, that's, I mean, I mean, only a very you know part, one part of the story. But and like getting into like one thing that uh, get back got me into a little bit too and like some of the podcasts I got into with the Beatles then was just getting beyond thinking of like artists as solely their albums that like you can also get into like the lore like getting into like the Beatles story and like the Velvet Underground like the story and like all of these like little touchstone moments that like serious fans know about like that stuff's fun too oh. I think like not thinking of the artists as just simply like the work but also like the process and yeah absolutely the, the, the dead's a great example of that too where there's just like a whole great story like it's like a epic narrative same thing with the Beatles well I was gonna say that is something that makes the Beatles so attractive is that it just it it's seems like just an incredibly story. yeah just romantic story like even through the hearts of it there's something that's just it's so just incredible about how that materialized and obviously just the time and place and everything about it it's just yeah yeah, yeah. no that's uh, definitely an interesting thing to sort of think more about with artists that you love and General. What were you going to say? Should we get down to business? Should we start yeah, are we, uh, some brass tacks? Yeah, I mean, shit, I don't even know if uh, you we really need to get into what we've been jamming on since so much of it. I get, at least to me, it's going to be just our favorite records of the year what and things we want to be discovering. And um, yeah, real quick though, before we get into this, have you listened to the new Wise Blood yet? Not all the way. The video's incredible. I've seen mm -hmm. those blowing me away um and that's you know so that's like one hole i've got in my list because she's easily an artist where i could listen to her next week and be like that would have been a revision so maybe maybe we should throw out if there's a couple of those like i know you mentioned like you have not listened to a couple of albums that yeah i mean i think uh just records that have been very well received uh rosalia's record and yep. bad buddy's record those I, I have not gotten around to and i still plan to in the next couple of weeks yeah i think the the biggest ones certainly towards the that have been released recently that I, I haven't spent much time with is Wise Bloods. Um, yes. That's, uh, what is that record? The name of it. I'm totally blanking on that right now. It's you really, know, it's called... The, I know. It's called The New Wise Blood. The New Wise Blood. And then uh, SZA's the SOS, new. which came out yesterday. I've not yep. listened to that oh, either. And, that, and In the I, Darkness Hearts Aglow. Thank you. In the Darkness Hearts Aglow, which I do enjoy, but I've only heard it like twice through right. maybe like i just so don't know that well we can if need be we can have a runoff at the end of the month we'll do a runoff <laughs> right. to, and we'll open an episode with a quick update on if either of our lists have had any or it'll be the be yeah some sort of a quick update or like by the time this actually is released we'll have just like these very uh like succinct overdubs or just like actually no it was this record uh it was neat, and then oh, we just immediately just cut back to whatever we we're talking about. As I continue to gush on a record that I don't like as much anymore, but we were short on time, so we don't even like you don't even sub in a full new like take on this album. You just chop out the title of the album and just put in the yeah. new album title, so it's still the same conversation. But that's right, yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, well, I guess look, before we get into our specific albums, let's talk a little bit about some of the lists that have already dropped. What's going on? Um, so in the music world at large here, how are you feeling about the big the big dogs? For the most part, have kind of already laid their cards out on the table. Yes, they have, and I mean, I they think didn't want to wait to hear from us, the, which the, I thought was a little rude. <laughs> uh, you would think, I, that, yeah, I always find it rude. I mean, you, fucking, you got to just let all the the real professional podcasters have their hand before the publications come in and just make you know sort of have that you know lay the cannon down in their eyes. Yeah, they'd want to know like, what did Dylan and Danny think. <laughs> Maybe let's get that final word in. Um, I, I in all seriousness, I mean, I'm sure it's no surprise to you that the only lists I've really kind of paid attention to are the Pitchfork and uh, Stereogum lists. Same. I thought, I saw the Uproxx list, I thought it was terrible, like truly I didn't like see that. Jack Harlow, um, <laughs> uh, fucking Harry Styles, like, you know, very just like the most like sort of hyped records that yeah. are, so it was just like, oh, these are like, I didn't you know, know records that were sort of impossible to miss if you were online for, you know, a decent chunk of 2022, but like, 
Um, I don't think that like it was necessarily really indicative of anybody's like real well-defined personal taste or anything like that necessarily. Um, like, was there any like Steve picks that poked through into the overall I, list? Like, were you going to get like a second grader Mo Troper popping off? I don't MJ think Lenderman so. And, I mean, maybe I, I feel like MJ Leonardman might have made it, but like it definitely did not seem like it reflected Hayden's taste really. Okay. Like, yeah. Um, and I think I might have looked at pace, but no, Sterigan and Pitchfork are definitely the ones that I like look about look look through and think about the most and uh wasn't really you know that impressed with either list this year necessarily i mean i think there were more things on pitchfork's list that i liked than stereogums even though stereogum had i think a, a much more interesting like just a, a wider breadth of like independent underground releases um but uh neither list uh seemed like it was necessarily like that coherent as far as like you know a sort of specific unified aesthetic publication kind of taste it was like a both were more of just sort of grab bags of like oh these are you know things that just seem like they were very well championed in uh their own specific circles but not necessarily by the publications themselves at large and like you know just things that yeah were like either rated you know not super high or just talked about you know with the kind of moderate praise really kind of landing high in the, the list and you know obviously it's like it it is just something that it seems like they were both kind of more haphazard and I think um, kind of, yeah, just like less uh, coherent as far as the way that the publications sort of carry themselves and their voice throughout the year in that way. And I don't know, they I just they seemed kind of strange in that way. But what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I think, I mean, I, we, were, we texted a little bit about this, which, by the way, if you guys go on Patreon and you do the $10 thing, you get access to Dylan and I's personal texts yep. so you can read those as an encryption code. All our conversations are um, on there, maybe. Have but but the, the biggest difference I noticed between the two, and I feel like the stereo gum list, they even kind of make mention of this in the, the exposition thing. Uh, there's a sen- The last two sentences read like this. There's plenty of indie rock on this list, period. There's also rap and country and metal and arena pop and hardcore and emo and avant-garde weirdness. So they make one whole sentence to specifically state there's plenty of indie rock. Like, you know what I mean? That one's separated from the rest right out of the gate. It's its own yeah. sentence. And I thought it was interesting. I may just be reading too much into this, but that came out after the Pitchfork list came out. And the Pitchfork list is like very, you know, as Pitchfork is a historically indie rock publication. Obviously, they've had that trend over the last decade of optimism, but also like kind of just full throttle trying to discard being a primarily indie rock publication, I think, and yeah. be just more of a, a God's eye view on music kind of thing, like all music. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, it's like, it, it is really pretty, it's the coded ass thing. Cause it's somebody, you know, that's it, it, easy to look at that acquisition as being like the beginning of that. But even like, again, like the early tens, it was like, there was very much a concerted, you know, effort to try to, dismantle that idea of yeah. like the indie rock you know snobby publication it was and really I mean, yeah obviously they were like you would have like huge hip-hop albums top their lists and mm-hmm. you would have pop albums even and stuff but i guess what i'm saying is that there was still it always came from that angle you could tell that it was like a publication of like indie rock sort of people who were writing about those things i mean they would have like hip-hop writers and stuff but now it really feels like they have writers that cover every genre who are like specialists in those genres, which yeah. is great and cool and super yeah. good. And it, we've also, I mean, gotten to do like, I, I mean, I, at least I personally, I can't necessarily speak for yourself, but I do think like the writings have been better. Like they have like just like, so much, like what you were saying, like the people that are occupying their specific lanes fucking really know yeah. their shit. And it definitely like just the breadth of coverage and like the, the diversity of voices. and I mean, it's just, it's so much more thorough and interesting and just like well put together than it really ever has been. Yes. And that's the, 
those are all obviously huge I pluses. Think, I think, yeah. I mean, like, especially compared to, like, that first wave of Pitchfork oh, where it's just night and day. god-awful. Like, yeah. And then I think you have, like, a mid-period, which I probably have rose-tinted glasses for because that's when I got into it. Mm-hmm. But I also think it was more professional then, but it was still in that, like... I'm, and what I'm thinking about here, to put a specific time on it, is, like, the, like, late 2000s indie blog yeah. peak period. Oh, five or oh six through 09. Through, 10, like, maybe, let's 11. say, like, 2012 or something. Like, like, I feel like 20, 2011, 2012, those were really... I mean, I talked about, like, what, early times, but, like, that's when the optimism shift was, like, very just undeniable. Like, they was just that, moving. Yeah, and then fast. 2013 is, like, I guess the year that people really point to, yeah. which I don't... Whatever. Anyways. Yeah, that, um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of factors. But, so I think Stereo Gum, to me, that's, that separation of that seemed like they were trying to indicate, like... We still specifically are kind of taking that as a, um, as like a central genre for us, and I bring all this up to make a, I guess a larger point, or like a like a pushback maybe against uh, immediate perceived uh, like knee jerk reactions of like, look, we have not lost our roots, but yes. sort of thing, like exactly. yeah, that we have thing- not lost our way, but like we're interested in so much more, or whatever. So before you freak out, like there is a lot of this stuff here, like, exactly, yeah, which is I think is very interesting to like, which I like because if I I will say while I agree with you fully that Pitchfork, uh, I think the writing overall is better, and obviously I'm pro the diversity of like race and gender on the staff or before it was just like i don't have exact numbers but you got to imagine like 80 percent white men anyways if i can make one critique though it's that i i am a little not a fan of them having this sort of like we have no bias approach to Mm. like genre because that's impossible and i just think there was, it happened in the are we talking about with a pitchfork yes where they try to pretend like and i don't like they try to I don't even pretend. I mean, they. I think they're like authentic in their aims to like try to not have a specific genre angle, which is cool. But I think there's issues with it too, where it's just like it happened in the art world too, where uh, when like the art world went from got really super globalized and you would have all these biennials and stuff. You get into this thing where you have people who are in specific locations trying to pretend like they've got like a global view mm-hmm. on things, and you just can't. I mean, the, all these pitchfork writers are still, I believe, for the most part, like. U.S. based and stuff. To like my I, knowledge, yeah. Yes, and I'm not trying to. I feel like I, at this point, I just sound like I'm hating on the fucking Bad Bunny and like Rosalia albums being so high in there. Rosalia, I'm, I'm reflecting that I'm not knowledgeable on her work, obviously. But I just think it's, it feels a little faux objective to me, and I don't. I just think it's, and I also did feel like we talked about before, like they lost a little bit of a voice in terms of. Like, it just seems like they're listing, like, it just felt like, it, I don't know, it just, yeah, there's no institutional voice anymore, which maybe is good. It just That's feels like a I bunch thought of about, it. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, like, I definitely, as we were talking about it, I, I did have that sort of, like, it doesn't feel like it's nearly as well defined, and maybe that is a good thing, but again, for, it, it is just a tough, like, you Criticism, always want to hear, like, have a point of view and not try to be everything to everybody. All, because like, you can't be, it's, it's also a lie at the end yes, of the day. and that, that's what I want to jump back to, too, is, like, it's that you know, perfectionism, objectivity, aspiration thing, where it's just, yes. you're never going to be able to actually achieve that so and realize think, that and trying to get as close as you can and making it seem like there is a way to do that when in reality, like, yeah, bias is always going to so be let's be, Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. And Pitchfork, I feel like to some degree, as being the sort of big dogs of the last decade plus, mm-hmm. I respect that they're trying to be responsible with their voices, like uh, the stamp, like the music critic voice sort of in a way. Yeah. Um, most trusted but, voice in music it's, yes yeah, exactly yeah, and they really right. have been I mean like they're the they're the touch they're what Rolling Stone was or whatever um, but fucking but Stereo Gum I like that Stereo Gum still feels like it's a niche little 
Like we're this is our little keyhole of the world's lookout on the music world. Like yeah, it feels right. like yeah. I and I, I would agree. I, even as I say that, I liked more albums on the Pitchfork list. Like the Stereogram one for sure felt more personal and intentional and just like there was like much more of a like point of view yeah. and like you know actual just whatever like it, like it, you know a team of uh very talented passionate writers and not you know fed through the algorithm which again yes i wouldn't say that the writing did necessarily for pitchfork but like exactly. the, the order of the records and like everything was like the pitchfork it, it one feels so, like it's yeah, like it's like, like yahoo got their like mm. albums listed the year which is just like mm-hmm. gonna be whatever the biggest ones are and then they pay writers to write which yeah whatever um all right, but let's let's talk a little bit about this specific list real quick before we get into it. Sure. So you said you prefer the pitchfork list. Well, I, I think that there are, are generally it's a tough thing because I'm like I'm, I'm like so deep in the weeds with this sort of shit where I'm like, oh yeah, there there are more records on pitchfork's list that I think that I like. There are more on Stereogram's list that I just probably like don't know at all or was a little bit more lukewarm on, but I appreciated like again, just like the sort of scope of what Stereogram like not it, the scope is maybe a weird word to say, but like, again, just sort of like they're like being true to sort of the sort of stuff that they generally cover and talk about. And it felt more in line with the sort of stuff that, yeah, again, they generally like cover and praise. And uh, like, even though, yeah, there's just, there, there was probably more in there that I was less familiar with. And um, like, I think both uh, tens were pretty decent for the most part. Um, yeah. I mean, the Sturgeon list definitely just felt like it had more integrity. That's, that's, yeah. that, that's basically like how I, uh, the, the bottom line with it. And so I appreciate it more, even if there wasn't as much on there that I actually liked, but were you going to uh, just well, go the, through the right now? Or? Yeah. I'm looking at the pitchfork time okay. right now. I mean, I'm not, this isn't a diss on their list. Like these could, these could be all the best albums. I just don't know a lot of them. Um, boy, it just, there's a whole world out here. I got, I got to <laughs> fucking study up. That's why we're doing this. Uh, I mean, exactly. There's yeah. so much clo- like, you know, you've got your, the pulse on the zeitgeist so much deeper than you had two years ago. And I'm I so just, I also feel like I haven't heard of some of these though in the discourse overall. And you're like, I had never heard of Yaya Bay. I mean, as someone following mm-hmm. pitchfork through the whole year, pretty yeah. closely, I don't, I don't remember seeing any features or like any like Instagram posts or Facebook posts about, yeah, I don't know if I did either. I remember seeing it get a Best New Music when it uh, was released. And it is a uh, – like, I definitely enjoyed the record overall, but I, I can't say that I remember seeing a lot of coverage for that either. Lucretia Dalt. Lucretia. Another – very much another – it's truly, like, absolutely just saw the This BNM is like John Baptiste like... winning the Grammy. Like, who, are, who is this? Uh, yeah, I have no sense. Uh, Big Thief saw that coming. Rosalia at least, like, saw it coming. Like, that's a huge artist. Uh, Bad Bunny – Saw, I guess, kind of saw it coming. Uh, yeah. I just don't know. Special interest sure. you've mentioned, I think. Correct? So yeah, special interest are a band that I love, and very much. I mean, I think that this is their best record, but not a band that I would have thought would be that high on their list. Yeah, it, that like, threw me off hugely. I came into this just blown away by their ten, kind of. It uh, mm-hmm. was just thrown off completely. Those that was, I think, the special interest endure was one of the more pleasant surprises because, in my mind, that is very much a a band and an album that deserves a lot more. I mean, it's been well received, but I haven't seen it pop up in a lot of lists, and I think they are truly one of the most exciting bands right now. And I don't know again the cynical read of how much I do chalk up to uh, their rapture assumption of Pitchfork up to their politics, but like I think that legitimately Pitchfork has just championed them on the whole overall, and it's just it is really refreshing to see a band sort of like this that um is just like very abrasive and intense and like kind of no holds barred in a way despite having like a you know pretty for the most part understated kind of melodic edge to be you know this the sort of celebrated like that Mm -hmm. that really 
you know, it was very nice to see, but I, I definitely did not see that coming. Yeah. Bad Bunny and is it Rosalia? Is I don't it? know if it's Rosalia. I, I've never Rosalia. heard it pronounced I, in person, so I, I have no idea. Rosalia, but Ros- Rosalia. Those I uh, two uh, records I knew for sure were going to be on the ten. It was great to see Always Blue Rabbit three. That that, that I was talking to, uh, in our group about this a little bit. Like for most of the year, Big Thief, uh, Dragon New More New War Mountain, I believe in you was like sort of the record to beat in that way, where it was just. I'm gonna be way up there on every list, but it seems like they got beat. Uh, yeah, always was Blue Rev. That is really the one. Like, which could be because it just as, came out. Yeah, like for, a, that that for sure is like part if of there's it. There's a swap there. Maybe it there, goes the other way. I think there's a lot. There's a lot of different. It, maybe if they had been released in one year, I think that definitely um, kind of uh, is part of that. There's also just kind of been away for a while. It, they've got a much more immediate sound. Like there are things about it where I just I feel like they're kind of more tapped into the zeitgeist of just I don't want sort you of to work. reveal it but I will say on record I prefer it to the Big Thief mm, yeah yeah I figured you that would be the case you don't reveal it because I because yours mm-hmm. it's an interesting battle in your list I feel like between oh between those two well just like which one would fall above each other in general not that they'd be like one and two but just like I know those to be your two kind of the two of the bigger like indie rock yeah for sure and I, I will say that always are not a band like they're a band that I've always enjoyed never necessarily loved and I legitimately do love the yeah, this I think year, it's a I, phenomenal this, record we, we, like, yeah that was in the text the group thread which if mm-hmm. you throw an extra five dollars you get access to the group text <laughs> um uh that yeah, you said you thought this was like the album they've been working their career yeah, to make. It very much feels that way to me, and I'm sure you know, we'll be we'll be getting to that at some yeah. point soon. Well, but let's I guess let's we start getting into so it. So I will say that that record, yeah. Before we jump into um, our tens, I think was it Beyonce's Renaissance oh, one on Pitchforks, and then Sudan Archives at number two is an artist that I've heard like uh, Julie was a big fan. I know it's like violin and like sample based stuff. But I mm-hmm. I did not see that as being another that one totally blew me away when I was like that's number two. I just came into it being like. I read the list thinking, like, I'll get to the five and they'll kind of, like, make sense. And then, not that they don't make sense. That's what interesting to see an archive through you for a it loop It just there. threw me for a loop. It was like, wow, like, I just, yeah. I, yeah nothing I, wrong with that at all. Right. Yeah. It just was, again, one of those things where, like, and I think that she had been getting a lot of coverage on the site. Um, her record got a nine. With, oh, as, did it? With okay. the, uh, Renaissance. And, I mean, it very much, I, I like uh, the prior i listened to uh student archives athena when it came out in 2019 and i do like that record as well and i think it's very solid um but like natural brown prom queen is a huge not unlike blue rev just a, a major level up just across the board everything about it is just so much it kind of blown up to the nines in a way where it's just like a lot of you know it's very I similar sort of approach yeah, yeah. Like really really just impressive arrangement songwriting production i mean just I mean, it's such a generic thing to say, like, oh, this artist, like, seamlessly runs all these different styles together. But, like, it is so incredibly fluid, what she's doing on that. I mean, you'll have just, like, house tracks kind of morph into R&B and hip-hop. And so, just, like, on a fucking dime like that. I mean, Arguably. Uh, arguably. Arguably. This unapologetic, <laughs> radical <laughs> fucking auteur just uh, taking the reins in her hands. And really, I don't know if he's produced all her records, but... Uh, this one really is something special. I think it's like kind of far and away the best R&B record that I've heard all year. And like okay. even calling it that is reductive because there's just so much happening with this. But yeah. very good album. Definitely probably of all the records um, on really either of these lists, I feel like this is the one that I would just recommend to you the most and that I, I think that it is probably the one that you'll get the most out of that you probably haven't heard. Like of, of the ones I'm thinking that you haven't yeah, heard yet, yeah. I think that's the one to check out. And then I will sure. say, I don't, I'm guessing it's not on either of our lists, but I did, I it's been, I guess, a low key narrative on the show. I love the Beyonce record. They played it. Oh work yeah, all the time. <laughs> low key now. narrative. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, well, I'm glad that again, um, like you actually did spend some time with it. It wasn't just like, oh yeah, but my soul is cool. But like, I just they played the I whole can't... thing at Moots in order. You yeah. have to listen to um, our new boss, our new CEO from fucking or not CEO, whatever Do from Applebee's Walter. He plays 
the he plays Madonna's greatest hits all the way through. He doesn't know Which, how to work Spotify. I was like, we're, we're going to be, I'm sure, getting an yes. announcement hits very, very soon. Very soon. But. He doesn't know how to work Spotify like radio or like playlists, so mm. he'll just play Madonna's greatest hits all the way through. Lizzo's new album all the way through, okay. which I'm not a fan of. Mm. Uh, and then yeah. Beyonce's album, and that's the one where, I mean, I have the Madonna I'm loving too, but the Beyonce one, I'm like in my zone. I'm, man, man, I, I love to hear it. Yeah. I, um, was the self-titled still like your favorite of her solo works? Because I, I think that, not that, again, you need to necessarily rank these, but like that one to me still like has a pretty large shadow kind of over everything else. I do want to go back and listen to more. I mean, I like Renaissance as well. And it's, that's, when I heard that, I was like, I kind of, made me think that I really should kind of go back and do some more. Cause I feel like Renaissance and the self-titled are the only ones that I kind of look to as like, Oh, through and through, I think these are like great records and ones that I kind of recommend to anybody, yeah. but I'm not as big on lemonade and I just don't really kind of know anything else. I mean, like do you feel like there are and Sasha and, yeah. Um, um, but what about you though? I mean, do you I, like in this moment right now? Cause I'm not like, you know, I'm not a huge Beyonce fan. Yeah, right. um, I think this is not like I am either. That's yeah, part of why I want to yeah. do this homework. Like but. definitely we both pro Beyonce, but just like not, yeah, whatever. Um, I think this one right now is my favorite. Yeah, right on. Like, if, as I'm reimagining that 2013 album, I feel like this one just feels cooler in the moment mm-hmm. because it's for the moment. And it's yeah, the moment. right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah let's, let's fucking get into this. Oh, right, oh I remember I was fucking, we got uh, sidetracked on, uh, I think it was Sudan Archives right before I was going to say this, but just real quick. Yes. I will say it was very cool to see, again, always Blue Revs take three on Pitchfork, and then I think it was Stereogum's number one album of the year. Which, Let me pull that up, that Stereogum list, yes. Like, uh, And I will say both those number ones feel, again, very, as much as I was talking about like the Pitchfork list having less integrity overall, feel very true to, again, the voice and the ethos and everything about their, each respective publication. Like Those felt like, like, you know, understandable, very, you know, like no surprise makes sense kind of number one. Place, yeah. And it was cool to see, but top just, five tier Surigam. Yeah. Go Billy Woods. Wait, what, what was five in pitchfork? Cause you mentioned so we, special interest in do it for always a blue rabbit three student archives. Five bad Natural Bunny. Brown. Okay. Bad Someone without you. Thank That's, you. Probably shouldn't have done the accent. <laughs> Net, yeah, Anyways. Natural anyways. Brown prom queen, uh, by a string archives two around the sounds of Beyonce. By, uh, it's number one at pitchfork, but Surigam's five. Billy Woods. At, I'm not going to try to say it cause I can't. Oh, Billy Woods was in the five. Hmm. Yep. Uh, four, Soccer Mommy, which I've seen gets, that seems like that's been getting some love. Yes, it has. Three, Renaissance. Two, Rosalia, Rosalia, down the road here, I will learn how to say her name. Um, and then number one, Blue, okay, so those three line up, the Beyonce, the Rosalia, and the Always yeah. Records. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. That Yeah, that Always Record, it really, yeah. I mean, let's get into it, it's going to be. That's fucking good. Do you want to start this off or should I kick things off? Uh, you know, I, I'll go ahead. I'll get it started. Right. Fucking let's go. All right. So I told you before the show, I can't, I don't think I've said it yet in this episode. My five are, you know, they're fairly similar to Steve Hyden's five. The indie cast wreck every week from Steve Hyden is one of my go-to new music finders. Like mm-hmm. I trust him. His taste is so similar to mine. The descriptions that he gives for each album are almost always like him naming off three artists I love already. Which is uh, interesting just to think about, like, you, there, there are obviously, like, with anybody else, obviously, like, you know, your own plenty, like, just your own idiosyncrasies differences and whatever. But, like, I think as far as all the music critics that I'm aware of, your taste seem to like, he's a critic. Stephen like, Mark. Kind of, Oh, Stephen Mark, Mar- well. yeah, because Mark. Oh, wait, he also, but I'm thinking like he he seems to be more into like not more into, but like he's got I think an appreciation for like drone and noise and a weird yeah. like, stuff that you're yeah, not as you're into. Right. Like Steve is... there's definitely stuff. I mean, I look, Richardson and you definitely have a lot of overlap, but yeah. I think Hayden is like it actually. No, like, not that you're pointing it out yet because it's like guided by voices. Neil Young, Bob Dylan, yes, Springsteen. I mean, and like a lot of it, you, you could chalk up to just like all oh, being into similar artists at formative ages or whatever. Yeah. But like, I do think that like 
out of any cricket that I can think of, like he's definitely lines. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say whatever. I'm like the Ian Cohen of this indie cast uh, yeah, uh, that yeah. we do, but like yes. I wouldn't even say that he's anywhere near as close as like there are other critics I would look to as like a you know Stuart Berman's or even Mark Richardson or Sasha Gaffin. You know, what? I think closer the, taste to me than Cohen does, but like dude, you would hide into it's been team. shaped by Hayden though because I feel like as I've settled into the old man Danny who like just listens to like indian classic rock mm-hmm. that's like steve hyden but like if i think of like danny from 10 years ago who was like way more into hip-hop and stuff i feel like hyden's not i mean he's always knowledgeable you can tell he like knows everything that's come out yeah but i don't feel like he's like listen like he seems like he listens to his lane which yeah. is cool i like yeah that we're, we're totally talking yeah like danny post 2014 15 sure. I, I would, yeah. I would yeah. say like post what a time to be alive i feel like is really yeah. like that's yeah was like the last like you know record collaboration record i would whatever, say 2016 that you... let's say okay, views sure. and probably like when my generation of rappers kind of oh maybe 2017 let's off. put coloring book behind that that's 2016 color... Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Let's put color book. Let's, so, let's oh, get ahead right, of coloring right, book because there's right. no way that would have been a record that Hyden right. was so really. So the last five years, 20, really yeah, that, settled that feels into right. I think so. That was when I stopped listening. Old man to like Van Zant, like just I, found his lane and stuck to it. So I even stopped listening which, to like new James Blake albums, and I was like, yeah. you know what, I'm good. This, which Hyden, they also kind of went been downhill. Very, they have gone downhill for sure. Yeah. 2016 was like the last great Blake record. Which in my one mind. was that? That was retro, not retro. No, that's like the color anything. Yes, which is that is a good one. Yeah, I I was talking to. Somebody about this, I think it was Ian recently, because I didn't realize that he was a James Blake guy, and we were both kind of gushing about the color anything, and like the Bon Iver song, particularly the oh, fourth yeah. fire. Oh, yeah, so good. Uh, I think, I haven't heard it in a while, but I bet that record would hold up very yeah. well. I, I remember really loving that. Yep. But in any case, um, so you're number five, though. Like, does it yes. does it mirror Haydn's, like, My top five have... Are there any that stick out of this? Or my top five, I think I have four of my five were on his top 20 list that he okay. released. I could be wrong. It could be all five, and you, gotcha. you can correct me. I was curious if I'd be able to actually suss this So out, my number five... Ahead. This was a Haydn IndieCast recommendation months ago, way back, and I didn't listen to it when he said it, but I remembered the name and I remembered how he described it and thinking, like, this is a guy I'll be into. And then uh, told the story on air, but maybe we got someone who hasn't heard that episode. Uh, went to the Plains show a month ago with McRae, and he didn't know who the opener was, and he goes, he had some guy fucking P.J. Dinkleman. And I was like, what? You mean MJ? Is it MJ Lenderman? And he said, yeah. P.J. Dinkleman. And that was just a name I had heard, not just from Haydn, but like other – I just remember like reading and being like, this is someone who I'm pretty sure I'll like. He was very much, I think, throughout the year, sort of like a critical favorite that like – the record was well-received, but it yeah. was a lot of just like your favorite critic's favorite artist story. Yes. Like yeah, artist, Sam Sadomsky really like, likes him a lot too. I think yeah. he might have been his – favorite album of the year um but like i definitely well before i heard the record i was seeing some buzz and i didn't end up listening to this myself until a couple months ago really just based off your strong recommendation he's in a band wednesday do you know them there i supposedly post for a big year next year i guess um but saw him open for planes kicked ass totally reminded me of neil young uh and pavement the like super like super slacker vibes like 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 purposefully messy which i love to death mm-hmm. um and yeah just great writing super funny lyrics uh he has a song about um uh, michael jordan's f- infamous flu game which was revealed in that doc the last dance to actually be that he was sick from uh pizza that they thought the utah jazz people in utah had sent him a bad pizza the night before to get him sick but his song posits that it was actually he was hung over and like it's mm-hmm. it's really funny good writing Great guitar player. Yeah, was that that line of "I like to drink too" or something? I like drinking like, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like drinking too. With a uh, there's a six grand hotel bill to back it up too. I really sent me down a Google rabbit hole of trying to figure out, and like there seems to be no consensus. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, really funny, good lyricism. Um, 
great guitar tones. I think cool production is voices like pretty distorted throughout most of it in a way that I think is like cool and against the grain. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just like it, it's a real like Danny core record for sure. Yeah. Like it's someone who I want to almost want to like show my dad. I think my dad would like as a guy who's not listened to new music and like. I, who knows how many decades I think he would get into this. I honestly do feel like of all the records that I've heard this year, this feels like the most Danny Core record. Like the one that seems to fit squarely within like your kind of tried and true trust tones. I mean, yeah. there's not like any of the projector, Bon Iver, James Blake sort of right. influence there. But like, I think for it crosses second, for more old man boxes. Danny than, I think it, cro- cro- it checks off more boxes than yeah. probably anything else that I could think of. And I'd love to be proven wrong with something that you choose later down yeah. in this. But like, seems very much in your sort of wheelhouse. And I, I was curious, if you listened to any of uh, Wednesday's work? Or no. Is this, okay. Cause I just, I'm excited I, to get into that. I think it's always really cool when there is already an established band, you have somebody kind of break out. And not that I ever necessarily, I'm like, oh, it's sweet if... There is like a soul member overshadowing his main band's work or anything, but just again have like vehicles outside of you know this specific sort of I like full band stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think that's always just really sort of exciting to see and like to have that not necessarily feel like a sort of lesser addendum to like the main thing, but its own sort of universe unto itself in a yeah. way that like it just it's it's really exciting to see and I uh, definitely I enjoyed that record myself and it's gonna be cool to see you know how we can do this progress and I I've like yeah. listening to some Wednesday stuff myself, but. Was it called Boat Songs? Boat that- Songs. Yeah. Track two, you you have bought yourself a boat. Great title. <laughs> okay. Uh, we we're, so, wow, what are we at time wise here? I feel like. Oh, uh, what are really, we at time wise? I mean, shit. This is really. A, this has been a classic. Uh, Thirty-seven minutes in. Woo! All right, we should this, maybe. Yeah, dude. This is. What do you got? For do? There's just so much more to talk about than the actual uh, media episode itself. But yeah. um, my number five is also what I would consider the most uh, intensely um, core record of any of my records for me. Um, it's Time Skips by Animal Collective, yep. which obviously, you know, endlessly talk about on the show. I mean, probably the most talked about artist just because I really find it difficult to resist just fucking gushing about this band. And, um, you know, hence why we had the unresolved uh, trivia thing from earlier this year that I fucking swept. Nine, <laughs> ten or something like that. Just putting up wonderful numbers. Um, Running a clinic. Yeah. <laughs> Time Skips is their 11th record. First full band record since uh, Sunbeat Hurts in 2012. Um it is a record that is, I think, a pretty good place to start with Animal Collective. I mean, it is definitely their most kind of mellow languid record since probably Campfire Songs, I think, in 2003. Um, it's a record. I, I, I've thought about this a lot as what I consider like the dad rock, approx- like Animal Collective's approximation of a dad rock sort of record. I mean, mm-hmm. it's real kind of dubby, loungy, exotica kind of indie rock. It's like psychedelic in a very serene kind of understated way. I mean, um, Panda Bear's back behind the kit. Davy Terrace playing bass. Like, it. Deacon's just strictly on keyboard. Like, they are definitely continuing to... Like, I mean, obviously, Panda Bear's been their historical drummer, but he hasn't been uh, playing a full drum kit since Sunbeat Hurts. And Deacon, I don't think, has ever played just, like, Please. predominantly... I mean, he's, he's contributed to keyboards, but, like, he'd predominantly be playing guitar in their band historically, and, like, there's never been real, like, actual bass playing, like, in a, any kind of large, meaningful way. So, really interesting developments. Um, I think uh, it's sort of um really just a a nice kind of it, it like it retains a lot of just what's sort of exciting about them just the interplay vocal wise between Avitaire and Panda Bear um a lot of just like great like, sample work and like just uh field recordings and everything but it's it's much more it's it's less um sort of sprawling and uh, I think this is a, a lot tighter and focused than really most of the record sound and 
something that it still kind of reveals new layers every time you hear it, but like there's just this like directness that you don't necessarily get with them a lot of the time. And I mean, in some ways, it's not again as sort of adventurous or exciting like on the whole as like some of their best work, but like it's just really tight. It's a tight, exciting kind of direction for them, and like something that like I feel like just with that kind of sort of jammy Grateful Dead aesthetic has never been realized as well on record. Like it's mm-hmm. something that like you'd see in their live shows and their overall kind of uh, aesthetic as how they presented themselves, but it didn't necessarily manifest in the music in this way. And it's not like I'm necessarily like a jam band guy myself, but yeah. I think it's an inspired direction for them. And it's something that like, I feel like just kind of works really kind of naturally with their own sort of artistic impulses. And it feels like a really kind of, exciting shift from the more manic uh, manic manic uh just mania inducing um kind of compulsory overload of something like uh painting with or sandy hurts before that and uh, um uh, uh, uh burrito on the windshield yes that's that's yeah. right um is i mean i know that you enjoyed this record overall yeah. like um is this uh like, i can't imagine this is sort of one of your favorites of theirs but something that like you have just would, would you say that you push it on the whole still like uh, yeah for sure i I like the whole record top to bottom. Uh, I definitely like it more than painting with, um, I don't know if I like it more than centipede hurts. I'm Cause I know sure. that you, and I, that actually, I don't think I've gotten into this on the show really much this year, but that actually was probably the record that I've gotten back into the most throughout this year was centipede hurts. Like, Oh, uh, certainly oh, okay. of theirs, but like, uh, it's a record that I still think sounds better every time I hear it. And like the hooks sound like applesauce and mercury man or some of their best. And like, I, I love how just frantic and over the, I mean, I think it works really well with the overall record, like the aesthetic of the record, the intention of that and like the, you know, radio interstitials and stuff. And like, I, I think it's a lot, it's just a record that continues to sound better to me. And I think it just was, you know, did not get its due really in large when it came yeah. out, but yeah, no, I, but the new one I think is great. It's uh yeah, it's not in my, like my top five or whatever, but I would definitely see it being one that I continued like it's not something I'm going to be done listening to after this year like yeah. I can see me putting that on when I want to listen to Animal Collective right. which I think is always like when you're a late career artist like that's like really the only goal I feel like is just to make sure that you're the work you're putting out is being listened to along with the old stuff it's not just treated like it's some separate category yeah and i think that is definitely a large component of why this is just resonating with me so much is that they are 20 years into their career yeah. like the whole title of this record and everything like it has to, a lot to do with just the idea of like oh kind of finding our roots and going back into jamming together like we did we were you know teenagers in yeah they're they're, they're the sort of get back in back some ways again. but uh yeah no it, it really does feel like it's a new direction for them and something that like i it, we were talking earlier about like like albums or artists that have continued to just like put out work that feels like you know um, inspired and resonant and not just like diminishing returns on something they did yeah. before that and um you know for a while uh, I would think of Animal Collective as a band that like we're not really I mean nothing uh, post Centipede Hurts has kind of moved the needle for me in that way but I think Time Skips and the preceding EP uh, Bridge to Quiet both. Uh, definitely feel like inspired new directions for them. And I do feel like there is a second or third life that has been kind of sparked with these. And it's going to be really cool to see how they need to go from here. So Hell yeah. that is my Hell five. Yeah. What's your uh, four? Coming in at number four, this is the one that I'm not sure if it's on Hayden's list. Maybe you can confirm for me. This is my sort of comeback of the year. I mean, this artist has been around, but I feel like this album's the most appreciated they've had out in a decade. I'm going Destroyer Labyrinthitis. I honestly don't remember if it was or not. I feel like it might not have been, but yeah, dude, that fucking, I feel like this is a great record. Cons- I feel like this has been the best received one since Kaput. Does that seem yes, to line I up think with you? I think that's definitely true. Not that the other records, I mean, I think like Destroyer is definitely one of those artists who's on their own trip where like for the most part, all the albums get well received. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But this one just seems like, I don't know if it was just more of a rollout or something, but it seems like this one really got some love. That song, June, showed up, I know, on that Pitchfork yeah. top songs list. One of my favorite songs of the year, for sure. Incredible. Like, two or three, truly. Some like, of the best writing. I mean, every every Destroyer album's going to have incredible lyricism. But yeah, like, and I think that might speak to why there has been so much more attention seeming with this one than anything post-Kaput, is that I think it's... You know, in some ways, kind of maybe taken for granted that the writing is going to be super evocative and interesting and just like sardonic and, you know, just something that is just truly idiosyncratic in a way that like nobody else is going to be kind of writing yeah. like him. But like, I think the, the arrangement, the production on this is just some of the most like interesting and like just it, it's so much more detailed. The and new producer that than, like, he's worked with for the last yeah. few albums, I really like how like it marries. Um, it marries like the like '80s slick bass and drum sounds, mm-hmm. which I mean, obviously, could put out some of that. But like, it, this feels like a new kind of like slicker even version of. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it feels like a, a kind of arty electronic update on like new wave or something, yeah. or like '80s synth pop or something. But it's it's dancey, so it's more in your face too, and weird. There's no like abstract. hooks, yeah. like, really. It's like yeah. a, it's someone who's a huge hook guy. Obviously, I mean, both of us were hook guys. Like this, yeah. There's like. It's sort of like reading a book, like Catcher in the Rye was like the first book I ever read where I realized there was no like plot. There's no like arc of a story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's no like conflict. There's no big battle. Like that's how Destroyer songs are. There's no real like chorus verse. They're kind of are, but for the most part, it's just like a poem that he's reading over a, a beat yeah. kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this one I think is one of the best uh, shit. You you loved this album too, I think, right? Yeah, this is definitely a record that it wasn't my five. It's definitely my ten. I was very impressed with this record. Like I, I mean, I I've enjoyed everything that he's done post Kaput, and uh, I do think this is my favorite of that sense. And yeah, it's just, I mean, he he is somebody that I think continues to just, I mean, with like you know, he's just continuing to uh, get better as a sort of songwriter and a lyricist. And I think that he's always just pushing the envelope in that sort of way and kind of upping himself. But yeah, just musically, just it, this is just so dynamic and just rich. It, it, it feels like kind of vibrant in a way that, not that like, again, like there wasn't any kind of emphasis on the actual arrangement on records like Poison Season or Ken or whatever, but like this is just to me so much more just interesting and developing and there's just still a lot of range on here, even if it is kind of generally in that sort of aesthetic wheelhouse that we were talking about. I mean, there's just a lot to unpack with this and I think that, yeah, it's just top to bottom a really kind of exciting record and like a true like inspired kind of pivot for him. I think that mm-hmm. when we were talking about that earlier, I, I threw out Low as the immediate artist that I thought of. Oh, they've had like a an incredible late career sort of sure, stage Destroyer. Yeah, and I mentioned before Animal Collective would be up there as well, but like Destroyer, man, like he absolutely fits that bill. Yeah. And I don't even like I, I think of um, when you were talking about like a, a sort of you know just your favorite comeback records. I mean. I I don't know like he, he there was never really any kind of lull with his work but like right. th- this is just a, it, just a roaring return in a way yeah that, like I wouldn't say that any of the records post would have that like right this is just like oh it's not just a very good record it's like oh this is a one of his like best that he's ever put out sort of yeah one. like um and yeah it's just it really best sense could put like, I feel like it's gonna be his like best sense blood on the tracks thing like, it's oh be like, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah I think so yeah there's and. Yeah, for good reason, obviously. But like that, that for sure, I don't, I, I can't imagine there's going to be something else that like becomes the next, the best sense, whatever. Yeah. Like, but uh, right. it's cool to see him again make records that are just this, sort of this thrilling and like this sort of charged and engaged uh, sense. Yeah, I mean, he's just had so many milestones. It's right. it's been a very exciting career to follow. But um, you're four. My number four is "God Save the Animals" by Alex G. So yeah. top of the episode, the two artists that are my, my Spotify most listened to, Animal Collective and Alex G, back to back. There uh, we go. Yeah. So I mean. 
we recently talked about Alex G. I mean, he's been a songwriter that I have really enjoyed quite a bit. I mean, I, I really love his work. I've uh, been a huge fan since um, getting... I, DFCU, I don't know if I heard it that year, but like 2015, I was fully on board. And I like DFCU and Beach Music quite a bit. I like all of his records, but God Save the Animals is definitely among my favorites. And I think it really is one of those that kind of just marries uh, all, a lot of the sort of fast and sounds together in a way that is just incredibly cohesive and uh, like still feel like there are some inspired pivots with some of the like the hyper pop moments on here. Um, and that's like seemingly, you know, one of the only kind of notable like real kind of developments. A lot of this is sort of a refinement and a, like a, again, just like having the sort of the poles of a sound coalesce in a way that, you know, it, it has like the warmth folksy kind of uh, feel of like trick and DSU moments. A lot of like the dark ominous abstractions of uh, beach music and uh, house of sugar. I think did this pretty well as well, but like, it's still kind of, you know, followed a very clear sort of arc in that way where this is just, I mean, you'll have like some kind of shift on a dime in that way where it feels like it can find it fall apart at any moment, but it holds together really, really nicely. Like it just, he's doing a lot at once. And um, I think that he is just like really continues to improve pretty dramatically as a producer. And a lot of the stuff just like hangs together so beautifully in a way that it's just like, you wouldn't think like on paper that all oh, this stuff would really work, but it's such a weird, yeah. It's like such a weird album where what you're talking about where he's fusing all these things so seamless, seamlessly. Cause like I can listen to it as like, and I talked about this a little bit when we did the full episode on it. Like I can listen to it thinking like this is his most like hyper pop record. And then when I do that, I realize how like acoustic guitar oriented a lot yeah. of it is. And then I'll go into it thinking, okay, I guess it is sort of more in like that, like indie rock tradition. And then you hear suddenly how, how much like vocal manipulations all over it and like mm -hmm. weird, like electronic sounds and stuff. He does like, it's like this like magic trick. Yeah. Where like, if you were to pick out two, like three second, parts from the album and just playing back to back it can sound so completely different and like it wouldn't work but when you listen to the whole album like it feels just like one world like mm -hmm. it it's like it, i haven't listened to it in a couple of weeks now and like in my head i it's just so like distinctly one sound but it is so many different things like yeah it just draws from so much so much and like i think um yeah like uh, he, it, a lot of his songs kind of it really it seems like for the most part he kind of occupies this lane where there are a lot of just like character sketches and like drawing on things that he's sort of witnessed not necessarily his own experiences and like this has been kind of touted as like his religious album and like god is kind of mentioned in a very sort of abstract way but it's also just an incredibly like optimistic um sort of healing kind of record i think there's a, a lot of just like kind of redemption and forgiveness and like it's something that like his music was so dark and disturbing and um there was a lot of just real yeah like all kinds of um really like sort of traumatic um you know sort of incidences and like things throughout his work in the, in the past that like it just it, it felt like you know kind of an unreliable narrator kind of uh taking you through the worst fever dreams that you could kind of imagine Oof. and like with uh something like this it's it's um definitely something that is yeah surprisingly like warm and bright and kind of upbeat even in like it's more kind of minor key melancholic moments and like mm -hmm. something that again it's not like a, oh yeah this is just you know i love it because it's just it's an interesting sort of shift for him and it's i sort of appreciate how again like he's not hasn't been sort of he's never um made a point of like saying that like oh i'm a religious person but like he was sort of inspired by all that stuff that he had just kind of witnessed around him and like was singing about this in a more kind of abstract um you know not nearly as um, kind of concrete sort of way, but like it, it really felt like a, a really, you know, inspired kind of pivot for him. And it's just it, cool to see him, you know, continue to push himself and do things that feel kind of, um, 
you're not necessarily yeah just like he just sort of remains even though you know you always know for the most part what you're kind of getting with an alex j record in a very loose sense like he still challenges himself and keeps keeps it unpredictable and like he it really has been very exciting to see how he's progressed since the band camp days and yeah i just i fucking love everything he puts out and it's gonna be cool to see where he goes from here this is the beginning of his christian period this is i think so yeah Common. this is uh what is that this southern coming was the that's the first Dylan oh, okay i got gotcha. yeah. yeah it absolutely is um all right so my number three is an album we've talked a bunch about already today always with blue rev oh yeah so good i mean it's just such a perfect album um like we said before this is their third album and i think we're both in agreement their best album this does feel like the one that they've sort of been leading up to where the past few albums i think had super strong singles, like just like in, like songs that were guaranteedly going to be on my best of songs list each year. Mm-hmm. I think the albums could be a little bit, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, just like uneven or uneven. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, perfect. Um, this one just feels like a real fucking album. Like I, I want to listen to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Even when it first came out, we were texting, and I think I, we both kind of thought it was like second half loaded. Like the first two, we were like, oh, these two are super strong, mm-hmm. little low. Now I'm at the point where track three, four, five, I love to death. Like yeah. I, I need all of them. They're all so good. But I think what a strong sign too, though, that like on initial listens, the like last eight songs on the album are like the strongest. Mm-hmm. Like that's such a great sign and such a cool badass thing for a band to be willing to do. Right. I was saying that is just a supreme mark of confidence. And regardless of how they feel about the work itself, yeah. it's like that none, nothing about it really feels tossed off. Everything is just like, yeah. So just intricate. Everything it's in its right place, so to speak. Like it, oh. it's just like, it is like real pitch perfect kind of dream pop in that way where it's just, it feels so, it's like just incredibly well realized and like blown up and like there's the scale of it. It's like stadium size kind of like, but still intimate, you know, yeah. kind of dream pop. And like, I, I just, I love the scale and the scope and like just the ambition of it. I think it's definitely their best production. Like the most, like you're kind of, I feel like saying like the most like widescreen yes. sort of like huge cinematic production. Yep. Um, I also think it's cool to hear how like, it seems like they really fuse three genres. Like dream pop always gets brought up for them. Um, I think, I think of it as being very shoegazy to me. Like to me, mm-hmm. this has like some real mm-hmm. classic, like, uh, slow dive kind of like ride. Yeah. Obviously MBV too. Like just I mean, like, like, well, pharmacist for sure. I, that's like the very evident one, but like Tom Verlaine, that fourth song sounds very MBV to me. Like, yeah. There are some guitar in there yeah, that is totally hugely. like that tremolo kind of like picking or whatever it is. I mean that, that to me, it's just like, Oh, that, that like, again, not in a sort of redundant way, but it's just like, oh, that they were seem like a much more prominent influence on here than on any of their past records. I think what they do so well that like My Bloody Valentine does so fucking well that doesn't get talked about is like shoegaze. You always think about it as like the tones and like mm-hmm. the effects pedals that are used and like how abstract the guitar sounds and stuff. But the thing that makes My Bloody Valentine so great, besides all that, is that they just have incredible hooks. Like every song mm-hmm. is like. A 10 out of 10 pop song and yeah. always does that on this like i mean like it's like the production's great but at the end of the day like i would hear molly rankin not that this needs to be the test but i would gladly listen to molly rankin play all these on acoustic guitar and like mm-hmm. i'm them there for that yeah for yeah. me this is like this is their one this is my new go-to always record for sure i have thought about that too with this record of like yeah stripping away all the just embellishment and seeing how these kind of stand up in like a stark you know just maybe vocals acoustic guitar sort of presentation and i think I wouldn't like, rather hear that, but I'm right. That, that, that's the thing is, I do think that these would really kind of stand up, whether it was just like guitar or like you know piano and vocals or something. Yeah. Like I feel like these are just so just well crafted songs first and foremost. Just great bridges, great hooks. Like just again, like I mentioned that everything in the right place. But like these are like I mean really 
like just from pure like ep, like songwriting if you want to look at it in that way it's like man these are just incredibly tight like they've got 14 songs and like 35 or yeah. minutes or something like just like yeah very very impressive across the board like a, a record that like really has kind of shot them up them up there for me as for one of the most kind of exciting bands working today and like um yeah it'll be just, I, I definitely want to i know they're gonna be here um at some point i think in march maybe yeah i, I want to see that. To i think it's sold out oh really yeah i feel like mm. it was either them or maybe it was wise blood maybe the always show is still on sale wise blood for sure I'm, i know that i'm on the waiting list for that you one are, i am ah. yeah 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 i'm not sure about always I, I checked the other day and they were still selling them so hopefully the where's wise blood playing out club which is very surprising that, to me. Yeah, God, she would blow that place out yeah. in terms of oh, yeah. sell, sell out. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I really sincerely did not think that she. They should just like move it. They probably will move it to St. Andrews. Yeah, I bet. There's probably there's a, a good yeah. chance they will. Yeah, yeah. Cool for her. Hell yeah, she's on yeah. a wave. Yeah, dude, love to see it. I mean, yep. I, it'd be cool to obviously see her there, but like, no, I mean, this she's very much yeah at that point where it's like okay, like. It, yeah, I just I go back to like I I'm very surprised that that was even the initial thought that like El Club would be a feasible yeah. like with where she's at right now. But yep. you know what whatever you know it's it's cool to see. Um, number three, number for, three for me is a light for attracting attention by The Smile. Um, wow, they are uh, three this piece uh, Radiohead. Okay. Is this a surprise for you? Like, yeah, I uh, we haven't talked about this record much. It's a record that uh, I've always really liked uh, since it came out. It's uh, so I mentioned yeah Radiohead offshoot. It's uh, three-piece, Tom York and Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead, and then Tom Skinner, who's the drummer for the um, recently defunct Sons of Comet, this uh, jazz collective, UK jazz collective. And uh, Is Nigel behind the boards here, yes, too? Yes, Nigel is behind the boards here. Not a member of the band, though. No, not yeah. a member of the band behind the boards, as he was in Radiohead. And so, I mean, if, you're, if you've listened to any Radiohead album, like, post-OK Computer, like, a lot of the stuff isn't going to be really all that surprising to you, I don't think. Um, there's definitely, I think... What's from a sonic perspective most interesting is that like this is a much kind of in some ways like there are like a lot more aggressive and like hard sounding uh, moments on here than you'd get on any like radio head record post really like okay computer the bands I mean there's stuff that like I mean there's a little bit I mean the sort of jazz Afrobeat like avant garde electronic kind of it, it, there's there's a lot of that there but like there's also like some driving post punk and like yeah just more you know, kind of hard-hitting moments that, like, do seem not necessarily out of place here, but just not necessarily where Greenwood or uh, York's heads have been at for a while, so it's kind of refreshing to hear that kind of more stripped-down, back-to-basics approach, even though there is still a lot of embellishment out here. I mean, it's a more minimal-sounding record than anything that we have done in quite a while, but uh, there's just a yeah, great string and synth embellishment, um, just incredible yeah, guitar playing and York's falsetto sounds in pristine form, and, like, everything that, that I love about Radiohood is kind of presented here in it's still a little bit more kind of visceral, exciting way. And there's still like, it's like sparse kind of like dreamy ambient moments, but like, it's not unlike the Alex Fury record, God Save the Animals. I think that there is a really nice kind of balancing act of going kind of between a lot of the pulls of their sound. And it's a really kind of, yeah, refreshing continuation of what they were doing, but um, a little bit sort of snappier and uh, more pointed in a lot of ways. Um, have you listened to this really at all? Ashamed to say, I haven't still. Because I've I would, been real out of the Radiohead world for a while, the last few years. I got to get back in at some point. Post uh, seeing them in uh, 2018, has it been like? I don't a, even know. It's just like just not been like the spectrum of music. I've got, I mean, I've just been more in that like rootsier kind of mm -hmm. not rootsy. That's not the word I'm looking for. But you know what I mean. I'm just I just haven't been in that like sort of uh, 
Well, I think that really... Like, I haven't been in that world, yeah. Yeah, just... the, the fact that, yeah, having MJ Lennerman be so high for you, yeah. and, like, th- this record not being one you've listened to at all really kind of says it all. Which, yeah. I mean, it just, it just sort of is what it is, and it's... I. You know, a couple years ago, I would have been shocked that you wouldn't have listened to a record right. like The Smile, but no, Me it too. makes total sense. I still think that, like, I would recommend the Sudan Archives record over this in large part because of that sort of thing, but I think that this is um, one of the best records, um, really, like, like I mean, that any of them have done outside of Radiohead, I like it more than a lot of Radiohead records. I oh, think that, like, oof. like yeah, dude, I'm taking this over King of Limbs, Hell of okay. a Thief, like, Amnesiac for sure. Damn. I think that, I think that this is, like, a... Really, really excited. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things to unpack with that. And I mean, we could talk about this record for quite a while more as far as why I think it's more exciting than those. But I think it's just a really inspired, refreshing kind of not quite back to this basics pivot for uh, Greenwood in New York. But like, a, I think that they really, truly felt freed up from the pressures of the just brand of Radiohead to you know get a little yeah. bit more kind of loose and off. They're sort of beaten. I mean, there's like some legitimate funk on here. Like you would not hear like anything quite like that on a Radiohead record proper. I mean, you know, in Rainbow's throat with that kind of stuff a little bit, but like it's still just like a the kind of stuff on here that they I wouldn't necessarily experiment, expect them to experiment with uh, within the form of Radiohead. So it was just a really cool thing to see, and um, it there's been a lot of rumor about like you know this being indicative of Radiohead kind of being done and like Greenwood and New York kind of moving on with their aspirations to continue to make music beyond Radiohead and whether or not that's true I think the smile is a, a really kind of refreshing vehicle for them that doesn't smack of like oh the derivative kind of shadows of you know Radiohead's past or whatever and uh just really cool to see them kind of continue to branch out in this way so I hope we get more from the smile but obviously I hope that there is more Radiohead in store even though you, a moonshape pool really is like the perfect cap for the what career. would you rather have next if you could choose right now you could press a button in 2024 you can either get a Radiohead album or a smile album I would rather have what makes the most sense for all members of the band because if it is really something where it's like oh the other three members really want other Radiohead record but Greenwood and York don't it's like I mean I, I wouldn't want them to just go very through the motions. Very diplomatic answer. I, very I would, political. Very I, well smart. Well played, Dylan. Well, look, well look, played. I don't want anybody going through oh, the motions and doing stuff that they don't want to do. I mean, exactly. I, in my mind, again, without any consideration for that, yes, I'd, like, I'd prefer another Radiohead record. Yeah. But if the York and Greenwood's heads aren't in that anymore, it's like, no, I don't want them to just go through yeah. the motions and release a half ass Radiohead record. I think yeah. a lot of that's, you know, because of the fact that Moonshape Pool is just such a great Plus, cap, you want EOB like, too. You want that second Ed O'Brien solo. I want that Ed O'Brien solo record. I want to hear uh, Tom Skinner you know, really behind the kit with, um, it just, whatever. Like I, I, I think that his drumming is really interesting and I, uh, appreciate shots fired at Phil Selway. Understood. Yeah, dude, that, that was a direct assault on <laughs> Selway, Phil Selway's, uh, rhythmic sensibilities. But, no, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a cool pivot. And so regardless of, you know, how that ended up manifesting for the two of them, it's like, I just, you know, I love hearing more York and Greenwood stuff and I hope it's yeah, not always strictly, you know, soundtrack work and electronic ex- abstract electronic experiments from here on out. What we're all agreed on is we don't need another Tom York solo album. You Those seem what? like they're always on the bottom of every Radiohead fans when you put all the projects <laughs> together. Like, I like the last uh, Tom York solo record, but honestly, Tomorrow's like, Modern Boxes? No, that was the second one. I I think it was... Uh, Evil? No, that's and, the... Um, uh, Anima? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Which had yeah. a short felt that accompanied it. That, that, right, that actually yeah. made my year endless that year. I thought that was, that was a really yeah, strong the subway record. doing like some choreography. Yes. Yeah, yeah that, that's okay. a goodie. But no, this is still uh, the best. Yeah, Anima. This is the best thing that he's done outside of Radiohead. And okay. Yeah, definitely something that you should yeah. listen to. But, you know, I get it if you're not if you're like that. Better than Adam's for Peace? Yeah, oh yeah. I give it to Adam's for sure. Dude, absolutely. Which I knew that you were into at the time. It's okay. I've never returned to it. It's, it's totally just fine. Yeah, exactly. It's totally just fine. Oh, what's uh, two for you? Uh, all right. So two and one, I had a lot of trouble like picking between. Um, mm-hmm. 
they could really be a, a Steve Hyden 1A, 1B kind of cheat thing here. But I, I, I feel good about where I've got him. Uh, number two, new artists I found this year. I've gotten into their back catalog pretty heavily, too. Like, I, I'm a big fan at this point, I would say. Uh, artist based out of Portland, Mo Troper. Okay. Uh, with MTV, oh, his shit. fifth album, MTV. Get it? Five, MT, yep. five, MTV. Um, yeah, really good, really good record. He put out a record last year, too, called Dilettante that uh, I listened to a little bit of. That was a Haydn recommendation. Uh, and then when he recommended him again this year, I was like, all right, I got to do a little more heavy research here. Um, really cool record. It's very, like... Beatles indebted, like Haydn describes it as being very Elephant Six World, which it is. Um, but it's very like he, he uses a, the the uh, Verispeed control on his tape machine a lot, where you pitch shift the song up, so he'll like record a song and then pitch it up like twenty In BPM. Yeah. yeah, and so his voice has this really high pitched kind of like just between you and me. It sounds like a little kid kind of. It reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of like. A little kid it's very lo-fi too it sounds like like a little kid recording through a little like toy tape recorder kind of thing mm-hmm. um but it's really it's like very like gbv kind of sounding very daniel johnston sounding especially the voice like just very lo-fi playful uh 60s pop indebted great hooks on this thing um play dumb i feel like i've heard a bunch of people reference that song as like one of the best songs of the year um yeah, dude, it's just, I mean, Motro, he's incredible. The, the, his, some of his older work, too, has been blowing me away lately. He's got a huge sort of uh, sonic spectrum where he can do this, like, super lo-fi stuff with the pitched-up vocals, and that's really good. But then, like, his earlier stuff that's a little more, like, uh, hi-fi, super interesting, like, very detailed production, all kind of in that power-pop realm. Mm-hmm. But he shows a huge spectrum of power-pop. Like, he shows that you can do the, like, lo-fi GBV stuff, but also the, like... Uh, big yeah blown up like bring strings in for like just five seconds and then bring Mm -hmm. in like weird like african percussion for just five seconds like he can go everywhere with it which is really cool um yeah motroper five definitely recommend mtv definitely recommend dilettante before that definitely recommend natural beauty before that too just an awesome dude should i just like run through all of them at some point like yeah i haven't listened to his first one yet still natural or uh, not natural beauty um i forget what it's called but the first one um but yeah, just like it's great videos too. Just a cool dude. Word. Cool so I was gonna say, I mean, um, this is because I know that there is another uh, artist that you'll almost certainly be talking about uh, next. Yeah, but like, one is. Really I was gonna real. say like because I just didn't realize how into Mo Tro- Trooper is it. Mo Troper. Mo Troper. Mo Troper. Yeah. Okay, In the last it, like two months here, really, I've gone deeper and deeper in and. Okay, so yeah, cl- like clearly like one of your favorite discoveries of the year, truly. Like For every sure. artist that like you really have got kind of into the back catalog and, too, yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's yeah. exciting, man. I yeah. uh, I I listened to a little bit of MTV, and I definitely enjoyed it. It was nothing that kind of blew me away. Not unlike this other band, like where I definitely appreciate it. It's not. It hasn't really kind of. I've like felt like I've really kind of sunk into it mm-hmm. uh, in that way, but uh, still just very cursory. I haven't gone in, and I definitely plan to because I do think that it's something that like I could easily see myself really enjoying, and like yeah. has a lot of hallmarks and stuff that I obviously love. Um, and it's cool to hear too, just talking about like that sort of range within power pop, where you feel like it's just because it's such a like kind of like very hyper specific, yeah, niche genre, hyper specific, like really well defined kind of parameters, but still finding a lot of range in that it and kind of really working is. within those tropes, but like kind of blowing like tropes, just, pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 really, yeah, kind of being able to like work within those constraints and do a lot of sort of different things, not have it just feel like oh, it's clearly just like this one kind of yeah, you know, uh, 
yeah, very uh, well-defined sort of thing within this well-defined niche genre. I mean, it's cool to hear. So yeah, yeah. Definitely uh, plan to go uh, deep on them at some point soon. All right, what um, do we got for... My uh, number two is a record that we've uh, talked about a little bit, but I I don't know if you would have ever expected this, but uh, even though I, I kind of teased it earlier, it's uh, Diaspora Problems by Soul Glow. Okay. So, um, or Diaspora Problems, rather. Um, yeah, they're uh, uh, now a three-piece uh, Philly hardcore punk band. Um, they're a band that I have kind of enjoyed, but not been super big on up until this year. They put out an EP in 2020 called Songs to Yeet at the Sun. That was pretty well-received that I enjoyed, but... Nothing that really kind of you know stuck with me that much, but um, the record this year really is. I mean, it's one of the most exciting hardcore records I've ever listened to. It's something that's kind of, kind of uh, redoubled my interest in the genre in a very kind of large way. It's something that like, I, and I feel like it's definitely. I mean, you could argue this about any sort of genre, power pop or whatever, but like you know the when like the hardcore yeah pun just uh, whatever uh, <laughs> having 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 like you know something where it's it's so like their fans are so passionate and it's something that's existed for quite a while. There's so much argument about what is and isn't. And like, look at a record like this where they're drawing from so many different sort of things. I mean, there's like legitimate, like rap rock on here and like yeah. some industrial influence as well. And like, Oh, this is, you know, just not really like pure kind of hardcore. And it definitely is not, which is what makes it so exciting. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like anything else where you just pull from a lot of, you know, how, regardless of how disparate the influences seem, doing stuff that is off the beaten path or whatever the conventional idea of what the thing is supposed to sound like. And I think that, yeah, they're a band that really kind of throws it all at the wall to see what sticks, but it's just, they've really kind of honed their sound. It's very bracing and cutting sonically and lyrically. Um, they've got a lot to say. I mean, sort of like militant kind of leftist politics in a way. They're very, very much just taking task with, uh, you know, cloud chasers, people in the scene, people that are, you know, just sort of, uh, just, you know, all, all sorts of different things. I feel like it's just very, like, like you could easily apply that unapologetic buzzword to this sort of thing. I mean, it's yeah. just truly no-holds-barred kind of, you know, I mean, just so, so much more so beyond the Sonics. And I think that they're a band that will continue to keep you guessing regardless of how well you think you know what they're kind of doing. And a lot of just great uh, features on here, a lot of just, like, guest rap verses and other, like, vocalists, uh great production from Will Yep, who's done he's sort of like the ambassador of emo and hardcore from a production standpoint and just yeah there's a lot to unpack with this a lot of just great detail in the production and the arrangement and um just a band that i think um are really kind of on the cusp of doing something very exciting within the realm of hardcore and like really i think one of those in some ways they are kind of like a gateway band in the way that you know like and i don't, I don't see them having like the kind of you know, immense crossover success that a band like Turnstile has, but I think that they are very much a band that I could point to as like, oh, this is like a good place to start if anybody's kind of curious with anything in this world. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's like, there are just great hooks on here, great energy. It's not like, you know, something that I think is just too closed off and like impenetrable, but like, it's still very like, you know, unabashedly hardcore and like the best way kind of possible. And I mean, really not a record that I feel like I can truly recommend to you in good faith, but I am very curious to hear what you would think about it, like in all honesty. You know? Yeah, I still have not listened to it. I I will pop that on. I will. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, I, I keep going back to like, oh, of all these records you talk about today, you got to hear the Sudan Archives. That's a record that I think you legitimately will enjoy. But uh, the Soul Glow one is maybe what I'm most curious about hearing your take on just because it is so far out. Text of me you... one song. Text yeah, me like I will. a specific Absolutely. one. Absolutely, yeah. 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 So, I mean, they're a very young band. I think they've got a great future ahead of them. And I, like, again, like I said before, I hardcore music is not something that, something that it's been always so much more easy for me to appreciate than love listening yeah. to. Like, there's been a lot of hardcore throughout the years. 
that I think is exciting and just interesting, but not necessarily something that I feel like, oh, it, it truly just dwarfs everything from an artistic standpoint. It's kind of what whatever else is happening at that moment. And Soul Glow, I think, are one of the most vital and thought-provoking and just adventurous bands that I've listened to in many years. So, yeah, oh, yeah. great record. So here we are, number one. Here we are. Well, you, like you said, it's kind of already obvious. I know what one it is, band I want to hear you say really, it, baby. Second grade, easy listening. Woo! <laughs> yes, sir, yes. second grade. All right. Easy listening. I'm, uh, and this, yeah. So, I mean, they've got had, already had a handful that you were into. This is like, you were already a fan when this came I out. I got into them during the push, I guess, for this album. They had mm-hmm. released, I feel like they released the first single for this one, like maybe the week I got into them. Okay, um, gotcha. Which, yeah, the two albums before this hit to hit, and... Uh, uh, wish you were here to a revisited both awesome i'm not even sure where this one falls into I, I think hit to hit might still be my favorite by them but i don't know this one's great too uh easy listening another like mo Troper kind of power pop record this is part of stephen hyden's power pop trend of this year yeah which um, always are decidedly not a part of if you want to think about it in, well, some in, people in more, poke, poke them into it a little bit well i know and yeah. that, that's been one of the things that i've seen the most about just the because there has been a lot of conversation about power pop this year and look at your three as being sort of indicative of that and like always being that one band that is talked about with the most derision as far as that classification is concerned yeah. but however you want to chalk like their how uh val their inclusion is there i think that yeah there have been some very exciting uh power pop releases of the year and yeah second grade really do seem to be leading the pack in the way i get the feeling yeah that they're like the they seem like the leader in that kind of like they're the first band that gets referenced and yeah that, if that trend gets brought up um yeah this record's awesome the uh same sort of vibe as the previous two uh very sort of like childish outlook on the world big hooks um you know you get Beach Boys references, you get Beatles references, you get classic rock references abound. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, you get lo-fi. It's sort of like the same shit I was saying for Mo Chopper, but I really do think it's like a totally different thing. Like I could easily see someone being into one big time and not being into the other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, they're just, they're such like perfectly tight, short, hooky songs. Uh, you get goofy songs like, the song about a couple episodes from Seinfeld. You get like mm-hmm. big kind of rock singles strung out on you. Um, you know what? As a reference point, that we actually don't know if we've talked about with them, but they remind me a little bit too of something like the Magnetic Fields, where it's like these really kind of oh, short like vignette, like sort of interstitial, like not like like they're well fleshed out songs, but they are just very tight, snappy, and you yeah. move on, like get the one chorus in, we're out, sort of thing. Yeah. Like, and there's, I mean, definitely a lot of range within the kind of parameters that they work in, but like. I just was saying, as you were talking about that, I was like, you know what, that really, there is something that it's similar to like something like 69 Love Songs, but obviously it's not, there are a lot of sonic differences or whatever else, but. I could see them also being similar to like, uh, like a garage rock compilation, like a Nuggets oh, kind sure. of thing, where it sounds yeah. like it's like a few different bands doing just like these quick little two minute singles. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, I would just, if you're a fan of Guided by Voices, if you're a fan of Big Star, if you're a fan of just bright, hooky rock you know yeah i mean i definitely think it definitely goes beyond just like a, oh this is if you like power pop if you like indie rock whatever it's like really just like yeah like you were saying bright hooky melodic kind of pop rock music this this yeah, is definitely it. somebody to check out for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think like shit, I, if you're like a fucking Weezer fan, I think yeah, try it absolutely. Out. Why not? Like, let's go broad here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so, for sure. Like, I would show, I've been trying to show Steven second grade. Like, I think, mm-hmm. I don't think he'll like mm-hmm. everything, but I definitely think I could put together a playlist of five second grade songs that as long as Steven's okay with Peter Gill's voice. Yes. 
Because that's Steven's thing always, I feel like, is the voice. And for a lot of people. I mean, For I think most that, people, yeah, yeah that's that, always the decider. Just, yeah, so much of that being like, oh, if you're not somebody that like listens to predominantly instrumental music, that's going to be the focal point. So right. That's what, yeah. You better be cool with it, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah. I think, yeah, honestly, Second Grade are definitely one of the bands. And I think, um, from what I've heard of Motropper and Always, definitely like bands that I feel like I could show to a lot of different people that I don't necessarily talk to about music or mm-hmm. have like, you know, super well-defined taste that I, I know super well. It's like a very broad, just like, oh, this is, I mean, again, these are records that are great, but like you really have a, a kind of more universal appeal than a lot of stuff that we talk about and are into. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, really cool to see that kind of pop craftsmanship in service of like very just yeah, tight songs in general. And um, yeah, I think that second grade, like I, I mentioned before, they're a band that I have enjoyed listening to. I'm not super big on them, but I think that I will continue to like them more as I continue to hear them. We see them live with me if they come to Detroit. Absolutely. Sweet. Absolutely. Dude. Sweet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so my number one band that we've talked about quite a bit this year, a band that uh, uh, we've uh, seen live and I think are re- truly one of the most exciting bands working today, just cannot fucking miss. It is, the album is Dragon New, War- New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You. Dragon New Warm Mountain, <laughs> I Believe in You. <laughs> what it be? Yes. Yeah, dude, dude. You can't talk about this record. The whole year was leading up to that I mean, moment. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Like, there's no way. I mean, Fetch I know exactly what it is, cutters. but like, yeah, That's dude, fucking. Title, if I, yeah. I got to actually go any longer than Fetch the Boat Cutters, yeah, I'm going to stumble a couple wise. times. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Dragon New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You, the fifth record by Big Thief, four piece from Brooklyn, folk rock. You know what it fucking is. You're, you've listen to them uh, quite a bit yourself and I know that you're not nearly as big into this record as I am but it's still a record that I think you I'd enjoy I like this record yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure yeah it's a it's a good like and yeah it's a great record yeah and I mean I think they're just definitely a band that I I feel like uh, just have are still just continuing to go up as far as just like you know um, artists sounding like you know creatively create uh, creatively and just like um yeah, sort of, uh, they're, they're, you know, as individuals and within their own band dynamic, I think they're continuing to just push the envelope for themselves with every subsequent release. I think UFOF from 2019 might still be my favorite, but I really enjoy everything they've done, and I think they just sound better and better with each release. I mean, this is, yeah, just a classic kind of, like, in the mold of a, you know, sort of classic sprawling uh, 20-song double LP. Uh, definitely a, a record that is very easy to kind of buckle onto the weight of its ambition and not, you know, kind of um, be as sort of well-realized as something that is just more tight and succinct. But, like, I do think that, like, they have really, you know, pr- like, this is just one of the best album albums that I've heard in quite a while. I think mm-hmm. that, like, there's nothing that feels, again, slight or tossed off. I think there's a tremendous amount of range on here. And they're, you know, trying things that they haven't done before, whether it's, you know, just like the... Um, sort of like trip hop kind of minimal sounding uh heavy bend or uh you know a lot of the roots here like borderline alt country sort of songs on did here I mean, red, did red moon remain your number one song of the year yeah i it think did. i think red moon and june are uh one and two for me still whoa oh yeah. i didn't know yeah. june was oh yeah. wow yeah. Okay. Those are, i'm pretty sure i said those are still one and two i mean red moon truly like on paper would not seem like something that i would love quite that much but like I think you had mentioned this when we were talking about Big Thief. Like, the energy in that song is just, I just, so it, it's just intoxicating. So I mean, it really, loose. like, yeah, it, it just. I feel like you're in that room. You absolutely feel like you're in the room. Which is such a corny thing. I hate when people say it, but you really do with that one. Like, yeah, it's just so warm and inviting and, like, just playful. engaging. Playful is yeah. the perfect way to describe it. I mean, it really, like, loose. there is something about, like, that energy. I mean, I feel like I just don't really hear that well realized, like, anywhere else. It, it just. It is like there's a level of spontaneity, but like the, there's also like an undeniable level of craftsmanship with all yeah. these songs. I mean, that, that's I think the balance that I find really engaging with them is that like they're such well trained musicians and they're so fucking good at their instruments, but like 
it does nothing sound ever sounds belabored over it just it sounds like it's just truly just oozing out of them like they just like can't fucking stop writing and recording and i think that there's a good chance that what not next year the year after we'll get another record and like they're maybe an adrian solo record next year like they're just you like they seem like they just cannot be contained at this point in time they continue to just continue upping the ante with every subsequent release and uh i think yeah adrian lanker is an incredible songwriter and i think that like you know, if it was just that, I wouldn't find them nearly as engaging. I think on the whole, they have incredible chemistry and they are, I mean, again, not like, unlike Alex, I keep going back to you guys at the animals, but like, it's something where like, you can go into this knowing what you're in for, but still not really to a T. Like they continue to, I think, yeah, just uh, keep listeners on their toes. And uh, it's just really kind of exciting to see, like, I said about all my favorite artists, but like they are a band that I feel like this still feels kind of limitless in a way of where they could really be taking their sound and what they could be doing, whether it's, you know, even recording proper records or, you know, just, you know, doing scoring or more, you know, sort of abstract uh, stuff. It just, it feels like they could really kind of go anywhere. And it's just been so thrilling to see them. I, I've really been paying attention since UFOF. I liked the first two when they came out, but didn't do it necessarily a ton for me in the moment. And I just, you know, since UFOF have really, in my mind, been one of the most exciting bands working today. And, I, every time I see them live, I feel like they just sound better and better. And yeah, mm-hmm. just really, really thrilling group that I feel very lucky to be, you know, making music at the same time that I'm alive in. So, shit. Yeah, and man. potting during. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's lucky right. lucky yeah. to pot. Um, well, yeah, it's a great shape of the narrative, too. Like we said, man, this was our first episode. We did the Adrian Lenker solo album. And yeah. We find ourselves two years later. I've got albums by new artists that I like. I actually can big, finally begin. Yeah, we can finally <laughs> begin the show. <laughs> All right, ecstasy out.